goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Data Transformers podcast. Today, we have with us Wendy Zhang, a business transformation data practitioner who has over a decade experience leading top priority complex data governance and analytics projects. Um, some of her experiences have been with Wells Fargo and Federal Data Reserve. Uh, I know she's, Wendy, you're currently right now with FI Consulting. Um, welcome, Wendy, to today's podcast. Thank you, Peggy, and thank you, Ramesh, and thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Wendy, welcome again. Um, so we, we are very honored to have you on the podcast. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Wendy, I thought we would first start with uh, your your journey to, to data and data governance and starting with your current role. I don't um, talk about what is FI Consulting. What do you generally do there today? Sure. Um, FI Consulting, uh, I've been here since like earlier this year. Um, it's a really great firm. It's a boutique consulting firm that's resided in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, we're very focused on a, a suite of federal as well as commercial clients. Our expertise are in the analytics and credit modeling, business infrastructure, and technology. What I currently do is that I lead my uh, contract and I have my own client who is a a federal agency and we do um, like a loan portfolio evaluation for them. And it is uh, like a credit modeling, but also focusing on the uh, data capability assessment and enterprise data governance uh, aspects of that. Um, so it's very uh, definitely I, I lead a very uh, talented team who has all uh, the analytical skills as well as the business acumen. That's where we uh, really bring value to provide a more accurate valuation of the even loan portfolio. Hmm. That's good, Wendy. So from your progression, as Peggy mentioned, you went from a Wells Fargo working for an organization and now working for a consulting company which deals with multiple organizations. So what has been your observation and experience in dealing with the data uh, and the analytics uh, across multiple organizations as opposed to dealing with data of a particular organization? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'd like to suffice that the experience is really not that much different besides because Wells Fargo is a huge organization that has so many line of businesses. You know, at the time when I was there working on their corporate risk, we were primarily responsible for C-card stress testing, credit model building. And then my team was specifically working on the, the data aspect of that and we're supporting the modeling team. But also at the same time, we were supporting not just like a suite of models, but the models actually belong to many, many different line of businesses, you know, and then the uh, the magnitude of the portfolios were pretty large. That just means that they're really large uh, line of businesses. And then as you would imagine in such a large organization, a lot of the 
a line of business, you know, divisions, they kind of operate almost like their own company. You know, there are a lot of like individual um, like procedures and databases and then practices and standards. So it's almost like working with multiple companies, if you will. And especially, um, I think this is uh, some pattern that I observed throughout the industry as well, that the only constant thing is change. Right, so especially with a large uh, financial institution, not just Wells Fargo, but industry in general, that you constantly have a change of the systems, you have a change of standards, you also have changes the in, due to organic growth, and um, but also merger and acquisitions. So it really, it's you know uh, working within a uh, COE, but serving and supporting like multiple organizations is very similar to supporting multiple companies. And you know, coming from that environment to where I am now, I'm really focused on uh, just one organization, but the portfolio itself is very dynamic. You know, so if you're familiar with student loan portfolio, this is a super large, like you know, it's like 1.5 trillion dollars. That is one third of the government balance sheet. If you think about that, like it has really dynamic portfolios in terms of the the structure and then the, the users, that the users will be the borrowers, they have their portfolios and trying to simulate that and then predict, you know, so predict the modeling, you're gonna try to predict their payment behavior and then you have to project that out for the next 25 years, if not longer. That's really also, it's very challenging, but a different set of challenge, but definitely spans across uh, various uh, agencies uh, under the department. That's really interesting that you say um, change is, the, I guess, a constant, right? You can only um, expect change. But I wanted to um, dig deeper a little bit maybe more on, um, you know, what you currently do. You mentioned uh, the, you know, the loan portfolios. It sounded like you were doing a lot of quantitative um, data analysis or ana analytics with that. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned, um, if I remember correctly, like data governance, data assessments. Yeah. Um, data governance. But those are traditionally two very distinct um, activities by, you know, that's taken on by two different groups. But it mm -hmm. sounds like you or your single team handles both. Um, you know, it's very interesting. Can you talk more about, you know, how um, you are able to, um, you know, manage those expectations um, and that type of work? Right, yeah. Okay, so um, I think you're absolutely correct. It's usually, you know, there's a team for data governance and management and who the, like will be defining the standard and practice and then and then carry that through for uh, enterprise-wide and you have a separate analytics team. I would like to suffice to say that we're not necessarily making data governance policies, but we're examining these uh, um, existing standards. And then my work at FI is very similar to Wells Fargo in terms of we're not really data governance, like experts to uh, manage the enterprise-wide data and practices um, uh, and practices and uh, procedures, but we're the data end users. And with any modeling, any predictive modeling effort, we always, always start with data. 
you know, so they all saying is like data garbage in, garbage out, right? So how do you know your models are, uh, are sufficient? You know, not just like from technical, uh, like um, technical aspects of that, the conceptual soundness, the framework, but also you you have to know your data to know where you're trying to model, but you also have to know that how good your data is. You know, in reality, data is never perfect, but is it sufficient? And then do you know your risk? You know, so that's why like when I was at Wells Fargo, we're under corporate risk because it goes hand in hand, right? You have to be aware of the limitations and also the implications of having imperfect data, which is just a reality. And how do you address that? Can you uh, deal with some of the deficiencies by advanced modeling techniques? In a lot of ways that you can, you know, in a lot of ways that's the standard practice, but in a lot of other ways, you just have to accept the uh, short shortcoming, right? And then live with it, but also mitigate it. And then I think awareness is really the key thing, being able to understand what you're dealing with and the potential impact, and then being able to like proceed with caution, I would say that that's what we're doing. It's like the data serves the purpose for the uh, predictive modeling, which is primarily supporting the business forecasting. Then, you know, we have to be uh, familiar and be conscientious of what we're dealing with before we make the assessment and then come to the conclusion that this is good data that we have confidence when using it. Hmm. So it's interesting. So Wendy, at Wells Fargo, you had the luxury of building the team from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. So you put the policies, you uh, build the team. And so in some ways, I look at that as a luxury, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you could define it the way you want it. Right. As opposed to a consulting company where, so let's assume that the companies have a problem and they come to you and saying that we have a problem, can you help? But each right. of the companies is different, right? So their, their data quality is different. Mm -hmm. Their executive support to the programs also is different and there are organizational aspects like so yeah for lack of better word let's call it organizational politics is also mm -hmm. there in terms of yeah. who comes to your organization so what has been your experience in going from company to company so what's your starting point do you assess the data culture of the organization do you do some assessment or can you talk a little bit about how do you deal with the differences in companies of the maturity level in various aspects, whether it's uh, data, whether it's organizational readiness and those things? Yeah, absolutely. Another great question, you know. Um, as, let's start with Wells Fargo. Then I was able to build a team, a data team in geographically uh, dispersed. It was a luxury because I was able to uh, outline the uh, qualifications that I needed uh, for people, for the resources that I was willing to bring to my team. Um, but it also has challenges, you know, it's, it's an opportunity, but it's also a challenge in terms of like the COE was new. I mean, Wells Fargo was not new, corporate risk is not new, it's been around forever, but our group was new, it's just out of requirement, uh, regulatory requirements to convert from um, qu qualitative modeling to quantitative modeling. So the challenge was that it's new because no one has done that before. You know, so it's like there were some skeletons in terms of um, partnership uh, agreement and then there's some kind of the end goal. We knew what the end goal was going to be and we just didn't know how to get there. So uh, as you can imagine, like along with the opportunity to start from scratch, the challenges, you know, you have to start from scratch. Um, so and then um, 
But what was also beneficial is that we really started from like, you know, doing a high level assessment of where we're currently work, I mean, where we were at a time between where we want to be, you know, you would call that gap assessment and then identify the key stakeholders and players, you know, and identify their role. Are they going to be influencers? Are they going to be decision makers? You know, are there going to be people who can maybe do a little bit handholding for us? And then how we're going to get that project, uh, you know, kicked off. So it's definitely that I had a lot, of, uh, a lot of flexibility in terms of how I was able to define the culture, which was really important, right? And we also had a stakeholder buy-in in terms of like we need to get this done. Having a common goal, and in this case, is just meet regulatory compliance, and really help us get on the same page. You know, buckle down and like define the plan. Not to say the plan was perfect, but we revised along the way. But we really got organization buy-in, which was crucial to achieving any data governance work, as I'm sure you have that experience too. And coming to FI, this is something that's already been established, but we are the advisors, right? Business advisors, and we come in, we'll really bring a fresh perspective as an outsider to look at what the department already had, you know, their system. And as, you know, someone who has never been, I've never worked on their project before, you know, not knowing the portfolios, not knowing the, you know, the nitty gritty details, but it's, is challenging at times, but it's also refreshing, you know, by asking the innocent questions, you know, sometimes it seems like seemingly should have like very straightforward answers, but you might be surprised, you know, those kind of things really help us, you know, be able to do a, a holistic comprehensive assessment and also provide realistic recommendations for how they can address those challenges. That's, that's, that's great, Wendy. And I know that, um, you know, you definitely have, you know, worked on a lot of data governance, have experience, mm -hmm. and you and I definitely talked about uh, the differences between a, a defensive um, data strategy versus an offensive one. Mm -hmm. And um, you gave an example at Wells Fargo, certainly with many um, financial services, it's a regulated industry, um, you know, they take uh, more of a defensive um, stance when it comes to data. So love to for you to share, um, you know, what you, what do we mean by defensive, and how can more organizations be more offensive? Sure, sure. Um, this will uh, kind of go back to my experience of working for the regulator, where I was not directly on C cars. So I want to make sure that you know that's clear. And I was uh, um, like responsible for like a lot of regulatory reporting form, like the data. And the data um, it was very essential to the Federal Reserve being able to do a comprehensive analysis of the financial institutions. And I was a reporting lead. Um, from that, and you know, I saw a lot of like, um, you know, uh, that's just that's what you're saying. That defensive strategy is in terms of what financial institutions want to do and just to comply, right? So nobody wants to be non-compliant because everybody knows the consequences of not, you know, not being compliant. So being able to be on the other side and understand the regulations from the regulator standpoint, and then later working on, uh, you know, something that on the other side as a regulated entity really gave me the uh, perspective. 
And also, if I go go back a little bit further, this is even before the Federal Reserve when I, I spent about five years working for uh, Department of Defense and NASA, where I was also like supporting a lot of data analytics projects, you know, data collection analysis. And then the uh, projects that was supporting the really, there were mission, a lot of them were mission critical initiatives. And then a lot of those were depend on collections of data and assessment of you know the the data analysis and then to be able to um, like form the uh, um, you know conclusion in terms of how we're doing uh, how we're doing in this department and how are we doing with the regulation and getting feedback. I would say that the defensive strategy is something that organizations you know, they tend to only focus on what they have to do the bare minimum, and they just want to get it out of the way. But I think, you know, it's uh, based on what my experience working on the other side and as a data collector and validator and regulation enforcer, I would say that um, in my mind that data like defensive strategy could be something for short term. You know, you do what you got to do to yep. be compliant, right? You know, but at the same time, it's it, you know, it could uncover like underlining like organizational challenges, you know, for example, the regula regulatory requirement is really, really focused on having single uh, source of truth. And like, a lot of organizations find that really difficult and why, you know, it really shouldn't be that difficult. I understand and concur that there should be like multiple sources of truth from your perspective for your, for your purposes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then this is something I saw in the industry as well. You know, when you talk about within the same company, a lot of the systems, they work in silo, a lot of businesses, right? They work in silo, which is fine. You know, it allows for autonomy, independence, you know, creativity. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to roll them up and to really assess your company's performance holistically. Yeah. And if you're not able to do that, the bigger question is not, whether you can uh, fulfill regulatory requirement, which uh, it is a big question in of, of itself, but then you know the like it's going to reveal what is stopping you from doing that. You know, not only can you not meet regulatory requirement, then you have something deeper. You know, a more disconnect like between your um, organizations that's stopping you from really fully utilizing your data. And how are you making a decision then if you're not able to? holistically and comprehensively and accurately appropriately to assess you know your uh, initiatives and performance how can you know whether you are doing the right thing and if there are any hidden hidden opportunities that you are not utilizing that you could be so it's interesting so far we are about 20 minutes into the discussion and interestingly we have not even touched upon artificial intelligence as a term <laughs> so, and then you've been using modeling and other things. So I just wanted to ask you a question, which yeah. is, it, it seems almost like I can't even go on LinkedIn Medium anywhere without reading something about artificial intelligence and machine learning. And then I heard from one CEO, he told his team, hey, I want to do something in artificial intelligence. It doesn't matter. So mm -hmm. as a, in a consulting organization, so what are you hearing? So what's the pressure about AI, ML? Uh, I mean, what kind of pressures organizations face and what do they want to do? What are you hearing about it? Uh, you know, I would say the short answer is I'm hearing all about it. You know, just everybody is talking about it. And then, you know, there's so many webinars and so many discussions about machine learning and AI. You know, I think it's definitely something that every organization wants to start doing. 
you know, but I think, again, it's like the fundamental question is like, why, you know, why do you think you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? Right? You know, it's not like, so um, that I've, what I've seen also in the industry that where people just want to utilize machine learning, uh, regardless whether that's appropriate. And I can say that uh, in a lot of cases, it is not. You know, so, you know, depending on the algorithm that you use, there's are certain challenges either with data or, you know, with the outcome and interpretability, you know, and those kind of uh, uh, challenges that just make it not suitable. So, um, but I do think that it still comes back to fundamentally, you know, the organization capability in terms of having the appropriate and good quality data to allow them to explore that that kind of uh, opportunities, which is like, if you're there, then great, you know, by all means, apply the machine learning models using artificial intelligence. Um, but I think I just think like for a lot of organizations, there's still like a long way to go. And then there are different, different like principles and guidelines governing of the use of that. You know, I think really just, I think like organizations should be aware of what they're signing up to before they, uh, you know, actually do that. Mm -hmm. Wendy, I, that was very well said. And I um, completely agree with you that, you know, many organizations need to know what the business use cases are mm -hmm. um, applying machine learning and AI and not the other way around. It shouldn't be technology first. It should be really business um, use case driven first. Um, Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.